Welcome to the Matters of the Heart podcast with your girl, Zoe Alexandra. Here at Matters of the Heart, your heart matters to God, so it matters to us too. Our motto is whole hearts, sound minds, and healed people because we believe God wants that for this generation. So I've created the Matters of the Heart community for women just like you, women who are strong, resilient, women who know they don't want their trauma and brokenness to define their story and dictate their lives anymore. Woman of God, you are loved, you are chosen, and brokenness is not your final destination. You better believe that. Join me each week as we journey together into the matters of the heart and grow with God into wholeness and freedom. This time you don't have to do it alone, girl. Hey guys, it's your girl Zoe Alexandra and I am back for another episode of Matters of the Heart. I hope you guys are doing well. We are officially at the end of April and I'm recording this podcast at 11pm at night and so I'm so sorry if my voice doesn't sound so energetic but I'm so happy to be here again to speak to you my heart family and to encourage you and just to you know chop it up a little bit as we always do and so I guess my word of wisdom for this week is just a reminder that God is good so I'm in a very interesting season of my life. I'm in a season where I'm really being bombarded. Like it's like God is knocking my head with his goodness, like <laughs> hallelujah. And so, and one thing that the Lord began to speak to me about was actually understanding that he is good, regardless of if we have had an experience of his goodness or not. And the fact that we can even experience salvation is evidence of God's goodness, his love, his mercy towards us. But sometimes we're waiting for those specific blessings and sometimes we're waiting for these manifestations to occur in our life to convince ourselves that God is actually good. But God began to show me, my daughter, listen, you don't need to wait for me to bless you. You don't have to wait for me to do something miraculous or outlandish for you to know that I'm good. You have to always know in the midst of your heart that I am good because that is in my word. In Psalms 34 verse 18, it says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. And we have to understand that when we believe in the full counsel of scripture, it's God revealing himself to us, meaning that we don't need experience of it to accept the truth of it because we believe that his word concerning him is true. But I love this uh, specific portion of scripture so much because even in this area of the book of Psalms, um, before it says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. It begins to unpack the reason why the psalmist has the revelation of God's goodness. In verse four, it begins to tell us that he hears us and he delivers us from our fears. In verse five, it says that he changes our countenance, the way that our face appears. He delivers us from shame. In verse six, it goes on to tell us that he saves us from our troubles. And then in verse seven, it leads us to the point where we can acknowledge that he says, us his angels to fight for us oh taste and see that the lord is good and so even god is good in and of himself but there's even a reasons why we can look to him and we can acknowledge him and we can praise him and say god you are good because he hears us he delivers us he changes our countenance he saves us he sends his angels to fight for us and this is who god is this is the truth of his nature this is the truth of the person of jesus christ this is what he does for us because we are his children because he loves us because he is good and so why do I say this to you today 
The word of God will remind you that God is good, even if your life has no evidence of it currently. And you need to hold that in your heart. And so whilst I was searching my life for many years, looking for the goodness of God, his word was full of constant reminders that he is good at all times. God protects us while we sleep. He is good. We don't have to know what's happening when we're sleeping. God is looking out for us. God does so many things for us. We may never even know. In fact, the the gift of our salvation is already evidence to us that God is good. And so I wanted to encourage you with that today. Taste and see that the Lord is good. You might be going through a difficult time. You might be going through this process of healing. You're like, oh God, this is challenging. Everything feels difficult. Everything feels uncomfortable. But don't forget in the midst of that, God is still good. Nothing has changed about him. Okay, so guys, so this week, as you can see, the title is all about asking for help. Okay, so I've said the title because, guys, you know what happens, yeah? I always name my episodes before I start recording. And then I start recording and then the Spirit of the Lord will say, "Mm -mm, name it this instead. So I'm just going to give the topic area because I don't know what it's going to be called. I've written it in my notes as I need help, but I don't know if it's going to be that. So (laughs) it's about asking for help. So how did I land here? So this month in my mentoring group, so as you guys would know, I have a mentoring group called She Overcomes, a coaching group, whatever you want to call it. Um, And this month I was teaching on pride. Um, And it was so revelatory even to me because we were unpacking even, I don't know if any of you know about uh, Leviathan, which is the king of pride, it's like this sea serpent. But as you're reading the book of Job and you begin to really go into the scriptures and unpack it, you can see how some of the characteristics of Leviathan can manifest themselves in us as man and lead us down this path of pride, which can cause us to distance ourselves from God. God. But as I was conducting a journaling uh, session with my coaching group um, as part of our monthly teachings, um, it was so funny during this journaling session because there was a prompt that I was leading on and where we had to ask the Lord about the areas of our life that we were struggling with in the specific area of pride. And it was so funny to hear everybody having the same response of struggling to ask for help. Why do we struggle to ask for help? Now, some of you may be wondering how not being able to ask for help is actually a form of pride. And so let's look at pride a little bit just so I can help to unpack that for you. So whilst we know pride is something that can be positive, such as like taking pride in your appearance or taking pride in your achievements. Pride is also this arrogance or this cockiness that we can use to elevate ourselves where we begin to rely on ourselves and we begin to create this narrative in our mind where no one can help us and no one can do what we do for ourselves that no one can do things the way that we do them. No one can take care of us the way that we take care of ourselves. No one is there for us. We are existing in and of ourselves. And it reminds me of, again, that revelation of Leviathan in the Bible, in the book of Job, where it speaks about him boasting in, in his own strength, basically. And this is what happens when we become so proud. We begin to 
believe so much in our own strength and in, in our own abilities. And for some people, it looks like being very egotistical and very arrogant. But for others, it means that they think they can support themselves, like they are self-sufficient in every single way. And so it becomes an area of pride that they need help to overcome. So when we say these things such as no one takes care of me as good as I do or I'm good on my own or no one's got me like I've got me or I don't need anyone, I'm good on my ones. These are all forms of pride because it's an announcement of your self-sustenance and that you are declaring that you don't need the help of God. Well, we all need his help. And so it's important to look at where does this come from? What happens that leads us down this path where we start believing that we've got no one and we begin to isolate ourselves and we stop believing that even our Father God can help us? What takes us to this place where we develop an inability to ask for help? So, of course, trauma or an emotional wound. So what happens is people experience emotional trauma where they've experienced perhaps physical or even emotional abandonment. Some people have experienced deep levels of rejection. Others have experienced such huge levels of neglect, especially as children. And when these things happen, this abandonment, this emotional abuse, physical abuse, rejection, neglect, whatever it is, your brain begins to convince you that you don't have anybody in your corner. I think we've all had these experiences of like disappointment. We've felt these levels of like anguish or despair in our soul. And perhaps we've even reached out to someone. And when we've done that, we've been met with a closed door. Maybe they've shut us down. Maybe they've ignored us. Maybe they've made us feel small. Maybe they just didn't stay around long enough for us. Enough for us to have that time to heal and feel supported and recover. And so when these things happen, it creates a wound in us that begins to have a narrative. It begins to speak to us. It begins to tell us that we're alone. It begins to make us feel misunderstood and isolated. When we become wounded because of rejection or abandonment or any form of abuse, it creates in us a hyper-independence. Where we make these statements like, I'll never trust anybody again. But we make these declarations to live and to operate in isolation, though we were made to thrive in community. Because we've been hurt, because we now think we can't depend on anybody. And so what happens is, you may even know that you need help, but you don't want to ask someone for help. Or perhaps you don't know how to ask for help now. Because you've got this belief system that says, when I need help, people don't show up for me. So trauma can create in us an inability to seek and ask for help. Again, this can be another form of trauma. But shame, this is something else that leads us away from asking for help. And I think this is a really big one, especially in the life of a believer. Why? As I began to ponder on this area, the Holy Spirit was just speaking to me about this. He was saying that, We often want God as well as people to think that we're perfect. And at times we become ashamed 
that in our inquisition for help, others will see that we are imperfect. And so when, we, when we've made mistakes, such as, you know, maybe we've fallen into some kind of sin or a bad habit, we become ashamed to return to God because we think he's going to criticise us and humiliate us. But this isn't the heart of the father towards his children. Rather, it's normally based in our own fears. And so what happens is we do something, we make a mistake, we're not proud of ourselves in some way. And instead of coming to God for help, instead of saying, God, I've done this, I know it's not pleasing unto you. God, I've done this, I'm not proud of myself. Instead of posturing ourselves in a place of humility at that point and saying, God, I can recognise I don't look like you right now, but would you help me? What we do in our shame is we put on these fig leaves and we begin to hide like Adam and Eve in the garden. We begin to cover ourselves up, hiding away from God. And I like to think of Adam and Eve and there's such an interesting case study to look at in the Bible because I always think about what it would be for us to be in complete harmony, union with God without the presence of sin, that they experienced that. And I don't judge them for their falling, but I just wondered what it would be like to have lived that experience, that complete harmony and fellowship in the presence of the Lord. It would have been beautiful. And then they've made this mistake and here comes that shame. And these people who once lived in complete harmony and union with God upon falling realize that they're naked and they do what? They don't seek the help of God. Isn't that interesting? What was it in that moment when they knew the father that the Bible says that Adam walked with God in the cool of the day? Which one of you have experienced walking with God in the cool of the day? He knew the father intimately. Adam was so aligned with God that when God began to desire something for Adam, Adam immediately desired that for himself. This was a man who was once in tune with God, but upon the pre the entrance of sin into Adam's life, suddenly the God who he was in tune with, suddenly the God he knew so intimately, he was unable to ask for help. And instead of asking for help, he hid. Him and Eve did not turn to God. They turned away. They said they were naked and they were ashamed and they hid themselves. And this is what we do now because though we have been saved, we live in our flesh, which is sinful by nature. Though our spirits have been made alive in God. And when we fall and when we do these things that are pleasing to God, rather than coming to God in humility because of this sin, we're still trying to figure out a way to rectify our own problems on our own. We don't come to God and we hide ourselves. But the thing is, we can now be before God naked and unashamed. The thing about nakedness is that it's a form of vulnerability. When you're naked, it reveals all of your imperfections. And if we're dealing with any measure of shame, we hide ourselves because we think that in our imperfection, we aren't good enough to be loved through it. But this isn't the heart of the Father towards us now, as we have received him, as we are his children, as we believe that he made it very clear to us that our perfection was not a prerequisite for his love, in that whilst we were still sinners, he died for us. 
that whilst we were still sinners, he died for us. That our perfection was not a prerequisite for our salvation. Our perfection was not a prerequisite for his love. And so even Jesus Christ dealt with shame as he hung on the cross for us. And he made it so we now have access again to the Father. And when we realize that we've made a mistake or we don't quite look like him, we have an opportunity to ask him for help, to receive the grace and the help and the counsel of the Holy Ghost. But we don't often do that. We hide ourselves. But we have to remember the beauty of the fact that we have been redeemed. Like I just said, we were still sinners, unholy in its essence, in its complete sense. But Christ Jesus died for us, teaching us that there is not any state which his love is not able to redeem us. Your imperfections are not a reason to be ashamed. Rather, they offer you an opportunity to humble yourself and go before the King of glory and ask him for help to restore you and so we've looked at why how trauma and how shame can lead us away from asking for help from God from people because even that shame when we think oh my gosh what are my parents going to say about me oh my gosh what are my friends going to say about me when they realize I've done this the wrong thing we also don't go to them and ask for help because we think they're going to look down on us or think less of us But I even pray that God will place people around you who you can be vulnerable with, who won't criticise you when you've made a mistake, but will correct you in love and help to push you in the right direction in the mighty name of Jesus. And so the question remains then for the one who is struggling to ask for help. How do we learn then to ask for help? We have to go to the scriptures for this, of course. Number one. Lift up your eyes. In Psalm 121 it says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. I love this scripture so much. So why lift up your eyes? Lift up your eyes and look heavenward. Your help comes from God. Whatever you need in your life, provision, he is Jehovah Jireh company in your loneliness his name is Jehovah Shema the God that is always there do you require healing his name is Jehovah Rapha our God who heals do you need guidance his name is Jehovah Rohi the Lord our shepherd all of his names when we meditate on them when we learn them when we know them we know then that all we need can be found in him if we would lift up our eyes to him that the depth of his sufficiency can reach the depths of our insufficiency. We have to just lift up our eyes and believe this beautiful truth. We have to trust in him, that he is the one who does not leave nor forsake us, but rather he is with us always to lead us, to guide us, to surround us as he desires to help us. God desires to help us. God likes us to be dependent on him. He hasn't made us to be independent of him. He's made us now to depend on him. 
that when he calls himself the vine and we are the branches, how many of you know that the branches cannot exist without the vine? Try cutting off a branch from the vine and seeing how long it can survive. A branch that is away from the vine, it cannot produce fruit. It has to be connected to its source, like us. And when we humble ourselves in the place of prayer and we lift up our eyes to our Lord and our God, and we seek him and we ask him for help. We acknowledge him that he is the source of our life. That he is our portion forever. And we inquire of him for help. And realise in that moment that he is the one from whom our help comes from. But only when we lift up our eyes. Secondly, how do we learn how to ask for help? The second point is allow his word to convert your soul. This is one of my favourite scriptures and if you're in my coaching group you'll know I, 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 if I speak to you especially on a personal level I always bring this up. In Psalm 19 verse 7 it says the law of the Lord is perfect reviving the soul. So the next point is how to learn to ask for help is to allow the word of God to revive to convert your soul. You have to believe that the word of God is able to revive, to restore, to convert your soul. Why? Because a lot of the issues that I spoke about earlier on, trauma is one of the major reasons why we fail to ask for help, whether that's from God or whether it's from people. Why does that happen? In our emotional trauma and woundedness, the lies we've believed about the Lord, the lies we've believed about ourselves, about our lives, they stop us from turning to him. They stop us from inquiring of him for his help. They stop us from going to our friends, to our families, to our pastors, to our mentors to say, I need help right now. Because again, like I'd spoken about, they convince us that we're alone. But the word of God is able to bring us back into alignment again. That word in that scripture, nine, Psalms 19 verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. It also means to restore, to convert. It's that the word of God is able to change us. It's able to do this invisible work on the inside of us that has a long-term impact on our lives. It's this unseen work that has a seen effect in our lives. The word of God is able to renew our mind, uproot the lies that any wound has taught us and fill us with truth. And one of these truths is accepting that we can trust God, that we can lean on him, that we can rely on him, that he indeed is our help. And that only comes when we permit the God, the word of God to transform our minds and our lives. Amen. And so another point of how do we get to that place where we learn how to ask for help? And this is one of my favourite points because I love the Holy Spirit. And it's, don't forget about your helper, who is the Holy Spirit. That John 14 verse 26 reveals to us this beautiful thing. It says, but the helper, and this is Jesus speaking, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Lord will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. 
So really the point of this is in the first three words, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, or the first six, <laughs> the first six. Don't forget that you have a helper. It's such a spiteful tactic of the enemy to isolate a believer so they wouldn't ask for help. Think about it. Jesus, in his love for us, said, you know, he's sending another. The Holy Spirit as a down payment, as a deposit for us. So we be reminded that God hasn't forgotten about us and that he's coming back to redeem us, that we are his. But what the enemy will do is try and convince you that God has abandoned you and God's forgotten about you when his spirit lives on the inside of you. God has now deposited himself within you and the enemy will try and make you think that he's, with, he's not with you, that he's departed from you. Such, such a spiteful, wicked lie. Lord, help us to know the truth of your word. But God said that the Holy Spirit, who now lives on the inside of us, he is what he is our helper. That God didn't abandon us in this world to try and navigate and figure out everything on our own. But he sent us his breath and his mind to live on the inside of us. That we may find help in a time of need. That we would know how to navigate life. That we'd be able to um, understand the scriptures um, as we are reading them. That we would know how to pray that he sent us a helper. A helper. Can you imagine? We struggle to have to ask for help when we have a Helper living within us. Ha! Huh. Can you imagine? God knew in this wicked world, though we'd be freed from the penalty of sin because we've been justified, that we'd still need a lot of help. So he sent his breath and his mind in the form of the Holy Spirit, our helper, our counsellor, to help us navigate life. He made it that we wouldn't have to look too far for help. First off, his word is there, filled with wisdom, filled with guidance, filled with direction. But what more? The Holy Spirit of the living God lives on the inside of us. He made his spirit, his mind, his breath readily available to us, within us. That when we pray, when we worship, when we read the word and simply make an inquiry, our helper would be present. So we learn how to ask for help by leaning on the helper, by leaning on the Holy Spirit, by asking the Holy Spirit for guidance. Holy Spirit, I'm not sure what to do here. Would you show me a portion of scripture I could read that would help me navigate this season in my life? Holy Spirit, I'm not sure what to do. Would you guide me? Holy Spirit, I'm struggling right now to manage everything i'm struggling in my mind i'm struggling in my body i'm struggling to remain holy i'm struggling with life or school holy spirit i'm not sure what to do will you help me this is to be the life of the believer in constant in constant requirement of the help of god God, yes, wants us to walk in power. God, yes, wants us to know our identity in him. God, yes, wants us to stand in authority. But God wants us to know that we need his help. God will often even give us visions, ideas, dreams bigger than our own self. We're looking for capacity to fulfill it. But he does it with an intention that we would know we cannot do it without him, that we would need his help to do it. 
that we need the help of God. But it starts with these things and knowing that we have the Holy Spirit who is our helper that we must learn to always go to and ask for help. We have to know this. Lean on the helper. Don't make the ministry of the Holy Spirit obsolete in your life because you don't know how to ask him for help. He wants to help you. He wants to help you when you're reading your word and you don't quite understand what it means. He wants to give you revelation and insight. He wants to help you when you don't know how to pray. The Bible tells us about us not knowing how to pray and the Holy Spirit even interceding for us through wordless groans and everything. He says even that his grace is sufficient for us in times of weakness. And how do we receive the impartation of strength? It's by the Holy Spirit when we can't even understand things. It's the Holy Spirit that brings clarity that we have to learn to lean on the Holy Spirit. He is our helper. And so it's daily. When you wake up, Holy Spirit, will you help me? Even down to, you can ask Holy Spirit questions like, what shall I wear today? Where shall I go today? What shall I do today? He wants to help us in everything. So it starts with asking and allowing him to help you. And I'll say this here, and I said it, I think, on my podcast before. God doesn't have to prove himself to you that he's helpful. He doesn't have to prove himself to you that he's trustworthy. Because even sometimes when we have trauma, we feel like everybody has to go through this rigorous testing to demonstrate to us that they are worthy of certain positions in our life. Not the Lord though. Because he isn't man. He isn't the people that have hurt us. Instead, We posture ourselves and believe in faith that he will demonstrate himself as he has written according to his word. But never has to prove to us anything. Even in his love and his mercy for us. Sometimes he'll do certain things. When he's saying, I'm going to show you that that I am good. It's not that he isn't good. He is. He's not trying to demonstrate he is good. It's not that now I'm going to release this new profound revelation. Oh guys, guess what? God is good. No. It's that. I am good, but for some reason you're struggling to believe it. So I'm going to show you, maybe this personal revelation of it would help to shift things. But keep in mind, he does not have to do that for us. He doesn't. And so similarly, let us just believe that God is our help. Thank God that he is your help. Thank God that he helps you, that he looks out for you. If you ask him, he will provide an answer for you that he will guide you that he will lead you because of it's just who he is he is our helper finally to really kind of solidify this thing of learning how to ask for help again basing it on the truth of god's word the thing that god said to me was that it's not good for man to be alone in genesis 2 verse 18 the lord said it is not good that man should be alone i will make a helper fit for him And so I'll end on this point here. From the beginning of time, the Lord recognised that the man he'd formed from the dust of the earth and breathed life into, he recognised that they weren't supposed to be alone. Even for Adam, who was in fellowship, enjoying the presence of God, he created for Adam a helper. 
And so we aren't supposed to live in isolation without help, without friendship, without fellowship or the counsel of others. We even see in the word of God, there's something about when there's more than one person there, that one can chase a thousand, but two ten thousand, according to Deuteronomy 32.10, that as we increase in number, God increases in power amongst us. Isn't that powerful? Even Hebrews 10.25, it says, do not forsake the gathering of the brethren, that we are encouraged to congregate with each other as believers because we need encouragement and support from one another. In Proverbs 11 verse 14, it says, where there's no counsel, the people fall. But in a multitude of counsellors, there is safety. That we need the counsel of others in our lives. And God often speaks through people that we can trust. And so I say this to you. When learning how to ask for help, you need to also know how to have people around you that can help you in your life. When learning how to ask for help, you have to practice it. So you can start with small things, maybe to gauge how much you can trust somebody. But you have to build a system, an ecosystem in your life where you can have vertical and horizontal accountability. It's so important. So you're able to ask people for help and get the support you need in your life. You weren't supposed to do it alone. And so I know that you may have been hurt before and that perhaps people broke your trust and didn't show up for you. I know that perhaps you might have been abandoned. But it's time, my love, to allow the Lord to help you and to heal you. You've come as far as you could have come on your own. And you need the help. And there's no shame in that. It just means that you're human. And so this is an invitation, as always, to turn to God and to ask for his help. That he wants to help you. And I don't know you, but I don't know how to navigate life without him. I need God every single day of my life. In fact, that's the word that's been ringing in my spirit for this season. God, I need your help. God, I don't know how to even navigate this good new season without you. I'm scared I'm going to mess it up, God. That God, I just don't want your help. I need it. God, I need this help that when it comes into my life, it brings peace that surpasses understanding. God, I need your help that brings wisdom. God, I need your help that releases favour into my life, that sends resources in in the form of mentors, opportunities and friends. God, I need your help because your help is healing. God, I need your help because it restores. God, I need your help because it makes all things new. God, your help strengthens. God, your help delivers. God, your help removes obstacles. It does the impossible. God, I need your help. So maybe you were right when you said you don't need anyone's help in your heart you just forgot to add the part where you add at the end you don't need anybody's help but you need the help of God you can't live without the help of God and maybe that's what you've been missing in your life you've tried some of us you've drank away the problems they're still there <laughs> you tried to eat it you've had you've had the sex you've gone to your boo 
He hasn't got the emotional capacity to uphold you. You've relied on other things, thrown yourself into work and tried to pursue your career at this level of intensity to try and ignore your pain and your trauma. And really and truly, you are dying for the help of God. Your life is crying out for God's help. But there's something in your heart that isn't enabling you to humble yourself and ask him because you're scared, because there's fear there, because there's pain, maybe disappointment, but you still need his help. And so I just pray that if there's any wound in your heart or your soul that is inhibiting you from trusting the Lord, I pray the Lord would heal you and heal you completely. I pray that the Lord would even begin to tear down and uproot and destroy any lie that would convince you that you don't need his help or the help of a community of people around you. May he fill you with the truth that as you lift up your eyes to the hills, that your help would come from him in the name of Jesus. Would he fill your heart with the truth that he is good? Would he fill your heart with the truth that he is faithful and that you can trust in him? I pray that you would learn to ask for help from the Lord, from people around you. And I pray that it would revolutionise your life as you know it. And my last words to you would be, let God help you. You won't regret it. Guys, I hope you enjoyed that episode of Matters of the Heart. As I always say, it's a privilege and a pleasure of mine to speak to you, to serve you. I just love this. I love it so much. I'm sorry this past two months I've been adjusting, but I just, I'm here with y'all, okay? I'm rocking with you. We're flying together, okay? <laughs> and yeah, like I said, um, she overcomes my coaching group. I'm really, I'm so happy of what God is doing in there. And if you are a woman and you're looking for support, you're looking for encouragement, you're looking for coaching, you're looking for teaching more intimately, please, please, please join. I'd love to have you there. I'd love to see you there. It would be amazing. It's really transformative and the girls are really growing. And I'm just really amazed at what God is doing in that community. So God bless you guys. And I will speak to you soon only on Matters of the Heart.